1: Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me are my guys Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell of Dogs 24-7. Wanted to take this opportunity to tell you all about something we have going on at Dogs 24-7. We're offering two months of VIP access for $1. That's two months of recruiting scoop, team scoop, and X's and O's breakdowns, expert chats, the works, for just one dollar. It comes out to be less than two cents a day. All you have to do is visit our front page at dogs247.com, and and uh, it is a there's a link sitting right there. There's a graphic, it's self-explanatory. It's it's a really awesome deal, and and you should take advantage of it uh, because basically we have less than 24 hours left for you to take advantage of it. The offer ends at 11:59 p.m. on Monday. Monday, but but never never really had a, a an opportunity this good to to take advantage of what we we offer over at Dogs Twenty Four Seven, and uh, we would love to have you coming off a win for Georgia. The Bulldogs went to Knoxville. It wasn't pretty early on, but it finished about as pretty as you could ask for if you're a Georgia fan. 43-14, Georgia covered. I know there was some there there were some of the Bulldog gamblers out there that like to bet on their own team. They were hugging their ottoman there late in that game, making sure that. Uh, trying to throw all the good Juju Georgia's way to make sure that the uh, that the Vols didn't get into the end zone one last time there and ruin it all for them. Uh, was there, uh, had a chance to kind of take it in. A lot of Georgia fans in the stadium didn't take it over, but but definitely uh, you saw when when they lit up the fourth quarter and and uh, the Georgia fans hit their phones, there were a lot of Georgia folks in that place. Did
2: you, Jake, did you catch the uh, – I mean, it was perfect time. I know what Tennessee was doing. As soon as the fourth quarter started, the break, the TV break, they started playing highlights of the 2016 Hail Mary. And I thought that was a big rub in George's face because they knew that George was about to do that. So they showed the minute-and-a-half highlights of the Hail Mary on purpose. It was I would do it if I was Tennessee, but I, I just thought it was kind of cool It they took a shot like that. You,
1: you know what? Like, one of the things that, that I didn't – you know, that, that didn't really pick up for me as far as that goes is the fact that, I man Tennessee, for a massive stadium like that, they have the smallest board.
2: It is. It is yeah, yes. It, it is see, tiny. After, after you see Georgia and Auburn's, yes. Yeah. It, no, when you go to Auburn, that board and the sound – I think that influenced Georgia you know the 2017 game at Auburn about that, that board was incredible and it didn't take long for Georgia to get one uh, right right you're right that is that is a small board and the sound is not you know they have to have the manufactured sound they have speakers throughout the stadium pointing up into the, the crowd. So I would be surprised if they don't address that at some point because you know nowadays when you go in these places and the Georgia Alabamas the Auburns, those places the sound system and video board are the best in the world.
1: Yeah, for sure, and and so I didn't pay much attention. I actually didn't even see that happen. I did see the fact that they – I did notice the fact they had a, like, really loud uh, music piping through while Georgia fans were trying to do that. I think they were trying to drown out the the Georgia band from doing the, the typical number that they do to kind of let fans know about that, but but showed up really well. It was the tailgate scene. Fans showed up really well. Uh, uh, a um, uh, One of those kind of, hey uh, – this is what it's like to be media uh you cover the whole game no rain didn't realize there was any rain in the forecast getting ready to leave the uh, press box talking with my buddy Wes rucker and patrick brown from over at the 247 site the tennessee 247 site uh go vols 247 24/7, and uh it starts pouring rain i'm talking about just like a deluge and i'm three quarters of a mile away from my car from my parking deck and Oh man, there wasn't the eye thread on me when I got back to the car. It was it was brutal. But uh, you know we're gonna we're we're gonna get into to the game and we're gonna jump right into it now. And listen, uh, and Kip, I'm gonna I want I want to hear what you have to say about this first, cause cause you were dialed in and watching this thing from home and and really kind of, uh, you know, getting a good look at it. Concerns because if you were in the the dogs two four seven game twenty four seven game thread. Uh, You noticed there were a lot of folks concerned, but uh, do you take any concerns away from this? Not as a fan, but but for Georgia and the expectations.
0: I think if you you know, obviously Kirby Smart's never going to be happy. You know, he's never going to be content just to come out with a win. They have higher expectations for what's going to happen in December at the end of the season. So I think there are some areas, you know, of concern if you're Kirby Smart going into next week that you're really going to want to get worked out. And we're seeing kind of a, you know, a couple, I would say, negative trends. And obviously i got to start with with what's going on in the punting game. You know, with, with Jay Camarda, you can't have an 18-yard ah. shank in a key part of the game like that. You know, for the season, he had had a couple solid games. You know, it, it seemed to be kind of getting into his groove. Uh, I think he's averaging over 43 yards a punt, you know, on the year. So the stats don't really tell the whole story, though. I mean, being inside the top 50 as far as the, you know, that that punt average kind of gets skewed a little bit when, when you're able to just, you know, boom a couple in there, and the ones that you know go out of the end zone. But you know, they really needed to pin Tennessee in there a couple times, and it, you know, that that really set them back on that. So I mean, my question would be going into this week is, uh, you know, are they gonna give a guy like Bill Rubright uh, a closer look. You know, a guy that was a really talented punter coming out of high school. Like, what What are they going to do heading into practice to, to to add some more competition, you know, in the punning game? Because that just seems like that's not something. When you get, get down to this, this, you know, this key stretch for Georgia, when every yard counts, I think, you know, you don't want to go in there not knowing that your guy can can knock one forty-five to fifty yards and and really pin them back when you need them to, and you know that that kind of goes into my second area when we're talking about these the hidden yardage. They had eleven penalties for one hundred seven yards on Saturday. That's that's still something, you know, when you have a false start with a guy like George Pickens or, you know, Lawrence Cager, when he pushes off, it's just these these moments of concentration, these mental errors that can really kill a drive. And I think when you look at, you know, the early concerns in the game, when Georgia was coming away with field goals instead of touchdowns, you know, that's kind of that area where you really want to clean up. I mean, they're outside the top 100 in the country right now in penalties. I think they're 105th in penalty yards right now. And I know that you could say they have a young team, but, you know, honestly, you know, almost every team in college football, you know, there's youth, you know, you're going to have that. So that's not something when you get into this key, you know, the second half of the season, you don't want to see that anymore. You want to see, you know, those lessons learned in these early games. You, you want to see that kind of, uh, you know, trim that down a little bit, because again, a hundred yards, I mean, that's, that's a lot, right there. You you don't want to do that. You don't. You definitely don't want to get close to averaging that. I think they're averaging about 70 yards and penalty yards a game. You know, that's a lot. So, and that's kind of an area that that kind of caught my eye. And I think a third thing for me, it just shows again. We knew this going into that Notre Dame game, and it showed. It showed again last night. Georgia's missing Tyson Campbell out there. I mean, you talk about the tackling overall from the secondary. I thought that J.R. Reed. I saw him miss several tackles out there. D.J. Dangle, I mean, they, they definitely uh, threw to him a lot. Uh, it's basically the opposite of, of what is going on with Eric Stokes now. I mean, he's kind of emerging as that, that breakout cover corner that we thought he might be heading into the season. But just seeing, you know, the size, a guy like Juwan Jennings, Marquez Callaway, the, them getting yards after the catch, just reminded us of, 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 you know, they need Campbell healthy. And that's just, I mean, that's only a concern if, if he continues to not be able to play. So uh, that's just something moving forward. You want to see him get back on the field because it's just a different look out there when you have him on the field.
1: Yeah, you, you hit on some key points there. Obviously, the penalties are a big deal. And uh, w- when you have some of the ones Georgia had on offense, uh, you know whether whether you agree with the one on Matt Landers or not, you, you got you've got to refrain from retaliating. That's the kind of thing. I mean, the guy that responds always gets gets flagged, and 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 the cager. Yeah, I don't think it was called for as, as much of a push off as it was a pull down, and it was kind of a crafty little move. He just got caught doing it. Uh, but but yeah, those those stops and drives. I mean, that's just all there is to it. And it seems like Georgia's penalties. Are coming at the worst time. Uh, Andrew Thomas had a five-yarder. Uh, it's not just the young guys that are making these you know, making these mistakes. George is having some veterans that are making them, and they got to clean those up. Uh, I, I'm with you on the punting situation. I don't think any more needs to be said about that. But I will say this: um, missed tackles got to clean those up. But. I think sometimes, and and we talked about it. Uh, we we had we had this kind of not not necessarily a discussion, but we we had this issue when when we gave our game predictions. Uh, you guys chose, uh, Rusty. I think yours was thirty eight thirteen, if I'm not mistaken, and yep. Kips was thirty eight ten, and mine was thirty seven ten, and and folks just weren't hearing it. You know, I mean, it's it's become a little bit of a trend. Like if if it's not a forty point spread if we're not picking Georgia to win by 40 then it's just not enough. And guys, listen, Tennessee is a football team with a lot of pride. I mean, those coaches are competitors and and they come from a really strong pedigree. Uh you know, I I, I think that the majority of the fan base thinks very highly of Kirby Smart and rightfully so. You know who coached under Kirby Smart for the last 3 years? Jim Chaney. And you know who coached for him under two for 2 years? Uh, um, Kevin Scherer and who coached with him for a long time, Jeremy Pruitt. So these guys know how to circle the wagons. They know how to get their team ready to play. I had a feeling all week long that Tennessee was going to come out and play really, really hard. Now, if they were going to be able to execute or not, I really didn't know. And they struggled with some execution issues early on, hit Georgia for a 16-yard play to start the game. Then three and out after that, Georgia jumped out to a lead. Tennessee – ran uh, a, a route that to be honest with you uh i really don't know how you defend it i really don't like when when and i'll go over this later on in the week over at dogs 247 with, with our x's and o's stuff i don't know how you defend that because if, if you give a quarterback that long to throw the football and you give a receiver that long to mess with your zone and and break it down you're gonna fail a large portion of the time and so you know, you fake a dig, and 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 then you get a release upfield for a for a kind of a dig and go. That's a slow developing route. It was called at the perfect time against the perfect defense, and uh, and Tennessee hit a big play. And and yeah, the 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 tackling is concerning. Kirby Smart brought that up himself, but as far as a concern goes, like an overall concern, don't really have one. I think the fact that Georgia responded for the second week in a row after, you know, going down, not by a large margin, but, but being down in the game, I think the fact that they responded and did what they did it is a good thing. I mean, this is a team that's learning on the fly. You're getting some young players that, that are having a chance to realize what it's like to get punched in the mouth and have a, have, you know, in, in that environment with Tennessee still with the majority of the crowd and, and, uh, you know, the place, the roof was getting ready. I mean, there, and there wasn't a roof on it, but that place was getting ready to go crazy. If Rodrigo Blankenship had missed that 50 yard field goal, he nails it. It goes quiet. Uh, and George is able to kind of, you know, kind of not necessarily rebound on defense because I think they give up a touchdown after that, but they were able to kind of work their way back and, and you know, keep scratching, keep clawing and then eventually pull away. And, um, you know that that's the way they want to do it. They want to wear teams down, and and that that's kind of how they have to play. So for me, Rusty, not a big concern. Just just not a huge concern overall. I mean, there's some things you want to clean up, but but nothing that makes me think well, Georgia's not what we thought they were coming into the season.
2: No, you look at Tennessee. They're going to play Alabama next. So I'm correct, and they got a shot to win the rest of their games if they play. With that effort, look, they got some players there. They got some guys that Georgia's recruited. Uh, I really watched Wanye Morris a lot uh, there in person yesterday, just because we have covered him, and uh, you know, thought he was a very, very good player in high school. And you know, they they showed a lot of fight yesterday. Um, you know, Tennessee was there to win that game. They weren't there to make it close. You know, they 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 were not bye week. Uh, the familiarity of both staffs. Uh, you know, I was there in the stadium early and watched the, both the staffs meet and talk, and, and it was a lot of, uh, you know, guys paired off. At, you know, you're seeing each other for the first time in a while. So, you know, I think Tennessee came out and gave Georgia they, – they hit Georgia in the mouth and, and, and see how it happens. And, you know, I said that about the Notre Dame game. You know, Georgia, you had to find out where they were. They were on the road this time. And, Jake, it was very close. You got reminded there for a second what type of atmosphere that place can be. Because when they went up fourteen ten, that place was rocking for a few minutes.
1: Absolutely, I mean, there, if you if you get thirty thousand of your fans in that stadium, you got to understand there's still seventy thousand of them, and it wasn't a sold out crowd. I think it was like ninety five or ninety three thousand or something like that. But but there were a lot of Tennessee fans there, and it was a good environment. And and another thing I noticed about Tennessee, I understand that probably you you get to about. 25, maybe 30 on their roster, and it's a hard drop-off from where Georgia is right now. But when you're talking about your Wanyea Marces and your Darnell Wrights and uh, and Bryce Thompson and uh, those wide receivers and and Trey uh, Trey Smith and 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 all of those guys, they've yeah. got some good football players and enough players to give you problems. And and I don't I don't think folks need to be offended by that. I don't think you need to think uh, oh well then then you know if they've got some players that can give you trouble then then maybe this team isn't very good it's not the way you have to look at it I mean you know you've seen some really good football teams struggle with some inferior football teams and, and struggle much worse than Georgia did on Saturday I mean Clemson listen North Carolina is not as bad as Tennessee probably they definitely haven't had as rough a go of it early on North Carolina had no business hanging with Tennessee I mean uh, Clemson with their talent for four quarters like that and, and you know, Alabama with the Citadel last year, that game was tied at halftime. I mean, these things happen, and and, sure. and it's not like – and I don't even think this was a letdown. I just think Tennessee came in with a good plan, did what they could early, landed a couple of punches, and then basically got dominated the rest of the way. Physically, yep. I mean, you look in that fourth quarter rush, those dudes were falling like flies.
2: Yeah, you see Georgia start getting forward. I think Kirby Smart mentioned it. You know, you start seeing Georgia get four, five, six yards of attempt rushing and – uh, they wore them down. You know, I said it in the ramblings this morning. It's what Barton Simmons says about Georgia a lot. They're a boa constrictor. Um, they will they will squeeze the life out of you. They will, they will suffocate you. And, uh, you know, that's what Georgia did yesterday. And, you know, we, we can talk on and on and on, but that's what happened. Um, you know, man on man, body on body, Georgia wore Tennessee down. And, and, again, I agree. You know, once they came out in the second half, I think Tennessee had like 19 yards in the third quarter maybe. Um, there was a big change, and give credit to Kirby Smart and his staff. I thought they brought a lot more pressure because uh, I'm telling you now, the first half, they were not getting much on him, and he was very comfortable and he was very impressive early on. Uh, obviously, the Stokes got a shot in, but they had a few rushes. Treon Walker got a sack. And, uh, you know, Tennessee, I'm very interested in Tennessee the rest of the year. I'm very interested after this week how they finished because that first half, and you have to be looking for any positives if you're a Tennessee fan, Tennessee player. Uh, there were some positives there yesterday, and if they can build on that, I'd be very interested in how they finish.
1: You know, uh, I, this kind of takes me down a side road. I, I want to go down kind of a little bit of audible. didn't necessarily have this plan, but one of the reasons I'm not concerned about this team, because you brought up Tennessee's quarterback, is Georgia's quarterback. I, that's one reason why I'm not concerned about this team, because I mean, listen guys, Jake Fromm, I at the end of the day, is he a Tua, uh, Trevor Lawrence style superstar? That's gonna, you know, maybe challenge four thousand yards. No, he's not, and and that's not what his game's built around. That's not what Georgia's team concept is built around. Georgia's team concept's not built around we go as the quarterback goes. That's that's not the way they do it, and 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 that that's a very high floor, and and it it, it limits your ceiling a little bit, but the way. I spoke with some sources on the way home from Knoxville earlier today, and I spoke with somebody who told me straight up, and I and I wrote this, and I wrote it the best way I could without getting too nuanced with it, but I, I had one source tell me, he said, there was a point in the game where they were pretty confident Tennessee had no idea whether to turn right or left when it came to whether Georgia was making an adjustment at the line of scrimmage because from – had had put so much window dressing out there, and he had kind of played with the defense a little bit, and, and he had done it to him on a couple of uh, on a couple of third downs, and they, he just kind of had them, you know, a young defense. Uh, you know, Daniel Batuli is an experienced guy, Nigel Warrior is an experienced guy, but but they have some young guys. Daryl Taylor is too, but they have a lot of young guys on some key positions, freshmen and sophomores, and they just kind of had them turned around a little bit. And when you talk about getting turned around while also being pretty gassed, it's a pretty good recipe for the offense. And and as far as that statement that I'm not worried about this team because of the quarterback and because of the quarterback play, because you know, and and I see a different Jake Fromm as a junior, and i have just I've got this this feeling about the kid that you know if he's not on, if he's not quite right, that the game's still going to be managed extremely well. And and that's why I'm not worried about this Georgia team. And and Kip, I kind of want to get your thoughts on that. Where do you see uh, this team right now as it relates to Jake Fromm and, and and his part in it and how well he's doing it?
0: Yeah, I don't know if we've seen. I mean, we haven't seen a quarterback run the team like Jake Fromm's able to right now. I mean, yeah, you mentioned Tua. You mentioned. I mean, you can't ignore what Jalen Hurts, what he, the, you know, what what he's doing right now at Oklahoma. And, again, Joe Burrow is going off this season. And so, obviously, those guys are off to great starts. But, I mean, we're talking about a quarterback completing over 77% of his passes. And, again, uh, he's not turning a ball over. And, and, and he, I mean, just to compound with that, I mean, he's been sacked one time. So, it's a credit not just to him. I mean, he, he is setting his offensive line up to succeed you know he is helping them look good while he's looking good as well i mean that like you said at the line of scrimmage he is making sure that they are not going to lose yards or turn the ball over on uh, on the next play. And, and I mean, you can't ask for anything more than that. For a quarterback who has yet to turn the ball over this season and taken just one sack with over 100 uh, passing attempts is extremely impressive. And, I mean, they have played good football teams this year, and that's one thing when you're looking at some of these other teams. I mean, like, again, Ohio State probably got – they got tested maybe for the first time this year and looked, you know, a little bit closer to – to uh you know the to earthly I mean they they put up great stats but again the, you know they got tested a little bit by Michigan State and then you know Oklahoma I mean again they're 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 going to be playing in shootouts all season so it, I mean the 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 stats are going to kind of speak for themselves but but what Jake's been able to do I mean that is exactly what Kirby smart wants him to do. And I mean, you just can't be anything but ecstatic for that so far. And yes, I mean, there's some big football games left to be played and, and and Jake's still has to kind of write his story this season for, you know, what's ultimately going to happen for Georgia. But from what you've seen so far, I mean, what more can you ask for than what he's done? I mean, he's a top five quarterback in college football right now without question. And, you know, there are guys that are being asked to throw the ball a lot more because they kind of have to, you know, for those teams. And Georgia just has the benefit of being able to run the ball efficiently. But, again, like you said, Jake's helping them do that and getting them in a you know a positive play and making that entire offensive backfield look great in the process. And, you know, I think that uh may have been – you know, it's one of his best games I've seen to date against, you know – what he did against Tennessee, you know, really only had, you know, one or two throws that he really would have liked to have back. And whenever you have, you know, if you throw the ball over 25 times a game and you only have a couple you'd like to have back, you, you've you had a great night. So, I mean, I've been impressed with Jake so far this year. And uh, I think that the, the the future is bright for him. He's He is definitely quieting a, a lot of doubters so far. He's going to get more of it each week. You know, they continue to to doubt the arm strength. I, I saw a couple NFL throws out there for sure. I mean, he put the ball in the money, and he did it, you know, outside the pocket as well. You know, I, I think that right now there's not a better quarterback in college football when the pocket is clean than, than, than Jake Fromm, but I still think that he is showing that he can, he can improvise a little bit more when he needs to. And I think he's, you know, he's making himself a lot of money so far this year.
1: You know, the ultimate show of respect and something that I kept pointing out over and over again is Georgia would go at an empty backfield and and Tennessee wasn't blitzing them. And there are a, there's a high percentage of, of defenses in college football, of defensive coordinators that have an automatic blitz call when the backfield's empty because they want to bring, they know you don't have the extra guy to pick him up and and they know that they don't have to bring seven to get pressure. They can just bring six, or maybe even bring five and create five one-on-one situations. And they didn't blitz him at all. And he had forever to throw the ball, and he made it count. And and that's that's paying a kid a lot of respect. That's that's knowing that you don't need to blitz him because if you put a bunch of people in in one-on-one situations, he'll find it and he'll make you pay. Uh, Rusty, kind of wanted to get your take on that as well. Um, you know, basically. I like I said just don't have a ton of concern especially for the offense and I don't have a ton of concern for the defense because the defense is just that talented and it's only going to get healthier and and better I think as the season goes along and deeper Uh, but but as far as the offense goes and and really the team as a whole from a leadership standpoint just no concerns on my part as long as from is is kind of the, the the guy leading the way
2: prime example I'm watching the replay right now as we tape this second quarter people are listening uh, go to about 14 minutes and 20 seconds left in the second quarter. And Fromm is going to throw a little five-yard out to Tyler Simmons. And what is special about that play is it's very similar to what Georgia did to Maurer with the – they blitzed the boundary corner, um, Stokes, and he obviously didn't sense it. Price Thompson's lined up man-to-man in the short field against Tyler Simmons in the boundary. And he reads the hot read. Tyler Simmons reads it when the corner crosses his face. He turns around. From hits him for a five-yard uh, gain. It's second and five. Those plays are invaluable. You see what happens when you don't beat when you're not able to pick up a blitz. And they, you know they gave up seven points off of that play, which was a you know a momentum changer, put the icing on the cake play from Stokes and. Tay Crowder, we talk about that, but Fromm's ability to pick that up kind of goes unnoticed. People just think as a five-yard play. Well, look what happens when you don't pick something up like that. And I will say this, that um, the throw he made to Demetrius Robertson in the second half, the angle I was sitting at basically threw it right towards me, and that ball, you know, I was kind of thinking today, other than the, 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 the touchdown pass to Nauta in the SEC Championship against Alabama last year where he threaded the needle, uh, ball he threw to Riley Ridley in the championship, uh, SEC championship last year. That ball he threw on third down to Demetrius Robertson last night. They brought a, um, a linebacker blitz up the middle. Georgia picked it up. Tennessee, I went back and watched to play. Tennessee had basically had a, a zone blitz in the backside defensive end, went back and dropped into flats to cover where that backer came from. Not only did Fromm pick that up, he knew he was going to have one-on-one coverage there with Demetrius Robertson. He dropped that ball on a dime. That was easily, in my opinion, the best throw of the year so far for him. I mean, people take that for granted. Demetrius Robertson never broke stride on a on an out route, uh, into the boundary on third down, and he dropped it right in there on the money. It was a hell of a throw. Uh again, you know, I think I mean, you know, I, I don't wanna kind of like I talk with recruiting visit highs and that type of thing. You want to kind of back off from some comments, but be honest with you, man. I, I don't know that I've seen Jake from. And listen, the offensive line did a great job. He was extremely comfortable last night. He wasn't getting hit. Uh, you know, he had all day, a lot of time to throw. So I'm being real careful with my comments. But that might have been the best performance I've seen out of Jake from. It was 24 for 29, 298, I'm correct. Um, you know, there were some balls that, uh, you know, he just put on the money, threw a little swing route to Swift there in the second half that the linebacker was hanging on Swift and he threw it out front and let him. I mean, Little things like that, man, that Georgia fans are going to, they're going to, if they don't appreciate it enough, they're going to because Jake Fromm, man, he, he was the real deal last night, I thought. But he made two plays that as you watch the replay, if you're watching it anytime this week, watch those two throws a little five yard out to Tyler Simmons, and then that third down pass to, uh, that third down pass to, to, to Demetrius Robinson was incredible.
1: Yeah, he, he made a few of those throws and, and, to me, took a big step forward on the road uh, where where he had gotten off to some slow starts and, and played better as the game went along. The, the Missouri game kind of comes to mind last year, a South Carolina game, uh, but but he really he really played well and started fast and, and did all of those things that, that you need him to do on the road really well. I uh, did a podcast this past week with, with our buddy Wes Rucker, and uh, I, I thought... You know, when we do ours sometimes, sometimes we just pause and, and, and let these things come in. But we're going to take a quick break uh, for, for, for the bills to get paid for the ad. And then uh, we're going to come back on the other side and talk about uh, just the national picture and and kind of where Georgia fits in that, what we saw from Saturday. Uh, and, and, and we'll catch you on the other side real quick.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,
1: Now, some big games this past week. Uh, not as big as the ones coming up. Not, not as full of a slate as the week coming up. But but let's start with Florida-Auburn. Um, I had a chance to – it's not often that I get a chance to really watch a game uh, because you just – you got so much going on with game day uh, and covering the team and everything. But I got a chance to watch it. But, but we were talking about it before the show. And, Kip, you were pretty dialed into this game. Florida-Auburn, turnover fest – 2019. What did you think of those two teams?
0: Offensively, it was really tough to watch, and it was really kind of a chicken or the egg type thing. I mean, we're we're talking about two young quarterbacks, so I mean, just they had a lot on their plate. There's only so much they can really do, but it was still it was tough to watch. You can't, you know, Auburn continues to kind of struggle running the ball, and I think that. You know, Bo Nix, there's been some accuracy issues early on. I think just kind of the warts were just, you know, they, they they came to the surface. It was too much for them to overcome. But really, you know, I, like we were talking about earlier, I think it's just the, the strength of, of the defensive line play w- was basically the storyline in this game. And we saw two offensive lines really with their hands full throughout the game. And, and it really just prevented either team from really getting a good drive going. And, and really, again, forced a lot of these turnovers i mean the 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 plays there was not a lot of time for the plays to develop and and when you don't have a lot of time to think you know bad choices can be made especially again with guys that don't have a lot of experience playing at this level and so again it wasn't it wasn't pretty to watch but again i think you uh you got to keep your cap The, the florida the the swamp is a one of the toughest places to play in the you know in the country, and uh, it definitely stood strong in this matchup. And it's a you know signature win for uh, for the Gators. I think they're you know they're they're starting to get a little bit better. Uh, you know offensively, they they you know it got kind of scary there when uh, when Trask went down and Emory Jones came in and, and gave him a you know a good look and and gave him kind of a jolt as well. So uh, you, you have a, it's good to see that you may have some promising depth and 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 some competition moving forward at that position for Dan Mullen but at the same time you got to be impressed with how his defense played out there that you know that was a a top 10 win for them and a, and a team that had a lot of momentum coming in in Auburn and, and they were talking a lot about the speed on the edge for that offense and and, and it got shut down
1: yeah that the the turnovers though surprised me I me mean, four fumbles for Florida Three interceptions and a fumble for Auburn. I, I, I guess I just didn't expect that kind of sloppy play. I mean, I understand that that you have some really good defensive players on both sides of the ball, uh, but and I I figured you know that the under was a pretty good take there because I, I figured that both teams would kind of struggle some uh, with the opposing defense. But but nobody took care of the football, and it's you know sometimes you'll see like an early fumble and then. You know, the, it, everybody kind of tightens up a little bit, and they're like, okay, three points of contact and, and carry the ball high and all this stuff. Got to take care of the football the rest of the way. No, man. It got worse and worse, and both teams struggled to run the football. I mean, if it wasn't for the if, – if it weren't for the one run by LaMichael Pirine, I mean, Florida had bad rushing numbers as well, and, and it just – you know, for for both of those coaches to to hang their hat on a physical rushing attack first and foremost, and and not be able to run the ball, I, I kind of expected a little bit from Florida because what they lost on the offensive line. But Auburn was re- supposed to return a really good group, and it just hasn't really looked that way thus far. And and uh, you know, Bone Dicks looked like a freshman, and and you know, Kyle Trask had his moments, and and but but ultimately, I, I just didn't I just didn't get to feel that either team. Played well, and or either it was one of those things where like, no matter who won that game, based on how it's played, you were kind of figuring out like who deserves to win, and and Florida definitely did because they made the play when it counted, uh, of those two teams. But but I don't think either team played up to their standard for it. What what were your thoughts on it, Russ? Did you get to watch any of it?
2: I watched uh, bits and pieces of it, and I went back today and watched a little bit of replay. So, you know, I think we talked about off the air here before. Uh, and we'll touch more on this. And I really don't want to dig way too deep in this, but I think when you have an offense driven like Auburn and you attack the perimeter, um, you know th- these teams are so fast. I talked to one of my good friends today about it, and um, you know when you attack the perimeter like that, and you got teams that are big, fast, and can run. Uh, you know, you knew Ty Grantham was going to bring the heat on Bo Nix, and uh, you know that's the way he that's the way he operates. That's the way he always has been, and. Uh, You know, it looks like Nick struggled a little bit, but I'm very interested. You know, we'll talk, I'm sure, later this week, I'm very, very interested in this Florida-LSU game because I'll touch on LSU here in a minute, you know, with with my national thoughts. But, um, you know, it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me as much as it does some people, the outcome there, because it was going to be tough, and Florida's very, very good defensively. I'm still a big Bo Nix guy. I still think Bo Nix is going to be a really, really, really good player at Auburn. Uh, they just got to figure some things out. You have to see that because that was his first big time uh, SEC, definitely on the road, atmosphere.
1: No doubt. Uh, let Let's do this real quick. Let's Let's all three kind of uh, a game you saw on Saturday. Maybe one you've gotten to catch on replay that kind of stood out to you. Um, and, and Rusty, I'll start with you since since you brought up LSU, and I don't know if that's the one you're going to go with. But But what's the game that stood out to you? What were your impressions of it?
2: For the first for the first half of the year,
1: no, no, just Saturday or yeah. I mean, you. I mean, I watched some. First L- half of the year, watched,
2: you come I, into watched some L- I watched some LSU play Utah State. I admit because I'd watched Utah State play Colorado State the week before, and I knew they had a good quarterback and that type of thing. And uh, Joe Burrow struggled a little bit at times and made a, you know, had a couple of picks here and there. And Ellis and, and they put the ball on the ground and, and then they took control of the game. So I'm just a big LSU fan right now. I'm I'm I'm. I think they're flying under the radar a little bit. We're going to find out a lot about LSU this week. Of course, they are at home at night. And let me remind you, if I'm Kip, I may be wrong, but I'm not saying Kip's the expert. But maybe Kip remembers reading this. I do believe they have beer and is it beer and liquor at LSU? Is that, is that what I'm I heard last night as well? Yeah, I know you can't have
1: liquor in SEC stadiums.
2: That's an SEC rule. <laughs> that's to be beer or wine. Come on, man. Uh, Legally,
1: that, right. there's gonna going be plenty of liquor. I mean, there's gonna be plenty of liquor.
2: Okay, I'll, I'll back off that then, but definitely LSU wasted no time in approving beer sales. Uh, I, I just, I'm, I'm a big believer in LSU. I think they're they're one of the top two or three teams in the country right now. We're gonna find out if I'm right. So, uh, Joe Burrow, I, I'm I'm a big believer in him. I think he's developed. I think he's doing a great job. This is a huge test for Florida. You know, you go back and forth about this, and Georgia, obviously being in the East, needs Florida to take a loss there. But if Florida were to win this game, can you imagine um, the 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 publicity going into Jacksonville? If Georgia handles their business like I'm expecting them to, the rest of this month, getting into that game, uh, it would be off the charts between those two teams. And we don't have to talk about Kirby and Dan Mullen at all because that'll be something we'll talk about leading into that. But no love lost there. As I always say, it's the shortest handshake in the history of college football, and it may be shorter this year, either way. You know, it, it's just LSU, man. I'm, I'm impressed with them, and, and, and we're going to see what they can do this week against Florida. Um, I think Florida defensively is very, very good. I want to see if they can, you know, if Trask can do this uh, like Bo Nicks had to do on the road in a big time environment. I'm telling you, we've all been there. We all know LSU can get freaking rocking like no place in the country. And man, at nighttime, I can't even imagine with this is the first, I guess, big rocking game for legal beer sales. That place is going to be on another level this weekend.
1: Yeah, profits will be made. That's for sure. They're gonna make a lot of money. No doubt. A lot of money this weekend. Um I you know, I was in my hotel room uh getting ready and and, you know, kind of waiting for to go to the stadium for the Georgia Tennessee game. And so I was uh I didn't have SEC Network on there, so I was watching on my phone. I watched some of that LSU game. But the game I caught the most of was Kansas-Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, obviously you're impressed with Oklahoma and and their ability to get guys open and and Jalen Hurts and his development and all that stuff. But I tell you what, man, and and I don't put coaches on blast too often, but or really ever, but, man, I, I understand why LSU fans got tired of Les Miles because I watched that game, and before the half, Oklahoma's got three timeouts, a uh, couple minutes left, and he doesn't even put a guy back there to catch the punt. And Oklahoma flips one in there, gets it inside the three yard line, calls all three of their timeouts, turns it into a score. Just horrible. I mean, just one of the most baffling things I've ever seen. The ball landed at about the nine yard line. If you're at the nine, at least you've got a chance to get it out. It was just just brutal. Um, but, but I thought Kansas did a pretty good job giving them a game early. I thought Kansas ran the ball real well on them, and I think that's going to be a problem for Oklahoma against good football teams uh, like Georgia. You know, I was having this conversation with somebody in 2017 uh, at, at the, about the Rose Bowl. You know, Georgia was able to play Georgia's brand of football and catch up in that game because Oklahoma was so bad at defending the run. Uh, that, I mean, just uh, Georgia didn't have to chase points. They just handed it to Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle, and they averaged together about 10 yards of carry, and they got back into the game playing their style of football. And if you are a championship caliber football team—not not a championship caliber offense, but a championship caliber football team—as far as a national championship—you can't let teams run their way back into the game when you've got them down a couple scores. That's just not—that's just not how you get chunk plays and create big plays and do that. And I'm worried. It could, because I because I I like Oklahoma and and I like Jalen Hurts I like his story I like how you know last year and and listen love the fans love the fans I think you guys are way too hard on people sometimes Alabama fans were giving Jalen Hurts the business for his comments in the preseason about how he was a little bit blindsided and all of that and it was actually good to see him be able to bounce back and and kind of reclaim his spot in in lore there I mean you you feel happy for a kid we're all human. And uh, and so I think Oklahoma is going to be just fine offensively, but but I, I really have my questions after watching Puka Williams really get after them uh, about their ability to stop the run and, and kind of keep things in check there. Uh, Kip, were you able to see uh, anything other than 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 the uh, Auburn? I know your wife's an Auburn lady, uh, but but w- were you able to catch anything other than uh, the Auburn uh, Florida
0: game? That uh. You know, I, I think the Ohio State-Michigan State game caught my eye a little bit because it was kind of the first team Ohio State had played with a pulse this season. I and mean, they came in beating teams by, I think it was, like, 40, 44 points, you know, average margin of victory coming into this game. So, I, I, the first, four, like, three or four drives, they did. They, you know, they didn't score. They, you know, they had a fumble, I believe. Um uh, uh, I think uh, they had a field goal on the on the third drive. They had a couple of punts. I mean, they were, they got off to a slow start uh, against this team. And it kind of, you know, opened my eyes a little bit. To, you know, they're not, they might not be able to steamroll through this big team because they do have some, some tougher te- teams coming up in Wisconsin, Penn State. You know, uh, Michigan's still a team that, you know, it's going to be a big game. And so, you know, there, there were some, you know, some chinks in the armor a little bit there and and it's it was something that kind of caught my eye that they were still able to kind of steamroll go into a the half with a a comfortable lead but it was it was kind of because of like three big plays of two of them over 60 yards i think jk dobbins had like a, a 70 yard touchdown and benjamin victor i think uh ha- had a, a real long catch wide open throw you know he got Behind the secondary a little bit, and that might not be able to happen later on the season against some of these teams. So, you know, it, it just kind of again just something to watch with Ohio State. I think that again, the schedule's playing to their strengths. It's not one of the tougher ones in the country, but they, they're still going to have one or two tests this year. I'll be watching that Wisconsin game for sure in a couple weeks. I, I think that you know they're they're as we look at Clemson as a team that shouldn't have been tested. You know, by North Carolina, but just looking at the rest of the schedule, we're looking to to see who might be able to run the table. Obviously, Clemson is is that number one, the easy choice there. Ohio State's probably next, but you know, if if you're reliant on, on having a 50 plus yard play multiple times to, to uh, you know, for you guys for the, to go into half of the lead, and then I think it was a you know a bad fumble by Michigan State that put Ohio State like right inside the you know, the 30-yard line, and then they only got a couple yards on the next couple of plays before they kicked that field goal to get on the board. You know, if you're having to rely on things like that, You know, that's that might not happen. You might not get that opportunity against some of these better teams later in the year. So, I mean, Justin Fields still looked pretty good out there through his first uh, interception of the year uh, as well. Still made a number of plays still obviously very explosive. They have a lot of weapons, like I said, with with J.K. Dobbins, Master Master Teague looking really good out there as well. Um, but at the same time, you know, some consistency offensively and, and being able to handle adversity is something I'm going to watch with with that team moving forward. I just thought that they, you know, they looked a little bit more down to earth. It wasn't just that easy blowout victory compared to some of the other wins they've had this year. The the video game numbers they had put up in the in the previous couple of games.
1: Man, fire and ice is coming up. It's fire and ice uh, uh, Oklahoma. I'm sorry, not Oklahoma, Ohio State and Wisconsin. Cannot wait. Two contrasting styles of playing the game. And, and I, you know, one of the things I like about Ohio State this year is, the, is, you know, obviously Justin Fields is playing at a super high level, but Chase Young, man, he is Jadavion Clowney-level dominance. Yes.
2: That's who I want the Falcons to get.
1: <laughs> get I think you've got about, you got about 25 fan bases in the NFL. Like, hey, Chase Young, that's my guy.
2: Just freaking tank it. They got a quarterback. They're not going to have a chance at Tua. Just just get to number two or number three and get that dude. I'm going to tell you this. We, we'll, we'll, we'll touch base again. But if Georgia plays Ohio State, I know what would dominate, obviously, any conversations. But, man, wouldn't you love to see Andrew Thomas versus him for four quarters? Oh, that man,
1: one. that that that's oh, a dream. That's a dream. That is
2: every NFL scout's dream. To see those two locked, because I, I'm watching the replay right now and just really watching series to series on Andrew Thomas and nobody threatens him. He he is so balanced, so comfortable. Chase Young is a freak show. I agree with you. A thousand. I would love to see those two because the dominating fields from conversation, obviously, but I'm telling you that would be two of the best players in, in the last couple of years at of positions going head to head for four quarters.
1: And hey, you know who else wants to see that of Georgia and Ohio State play? Georgia coaches both they want, to, they, they want to see it too they want to see it real bad they want Chase Young to line up on their defenses right every time oh, not sure. because he's that big of a mismatch with Isaiah Wilson but just they I mean you, listen there's one guy that may be the first pick in the draft he's gotten projected as the first pick of the draft but ultimately I mean it, you want Andrew Thomas on that guy every play and and so it's 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 just I know Georgia coaches definitely want that too. That's all we got for this show, everybody. We're gonna come back later on in the week to break. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Can I break in for one thing?
1: Yeah, yeah, let's do it.
2: Both of you got 30 seconds. You don't have to you don't no explanations. No explanations. Take Georgia out of the equation. Give me your top two teams. Jake, then Kip, give me your top two. No explanations? Let's just finish it on that. Jake, who's your top two besides Georgia? Give me two more in order. Right now right now
1: as of today
2: i'm giving
1: i'm taking alabama and lsu
2: all right kip
0: i got lsu and yeah give me alabama as well i think lsu's the top team right now just for what i've seen from uh, this I, year I, uh but but those are my guys right now. I think those two teams have played the strongest football so far this year, and at the quarterback position,
2: they've given you exactly what you want to get there. I'll end it. Jake, you can finish it all after right this. I'll go Ohio State, Alabama. Take it, Jake. Close us out.
1: Man, Rusty said
2: he loved LSU. Uh,
1: all
2: <laughs> <We'll> right.
1: <see>. <laughs> all right, everybody. Well, we're going to be back later on in the week to talk about Georgia, South Carolina will muschamp versus kirby smart part four uh that's gonna be you know we'll, we'll probably get into some stories there talking about you know kind of talking about some of the the background that those two coaches have had and and, and kind of where south Carolina's headed after uh, after a bye week and and you know what we can kind of expect from that game Until then, I want to remind you guys of the two-for-one over at Dogs 24-7, and it's not the kind of two-for-one you're thinking. It's two months for $1. That's two months for $1 less than two cents a day. VIP access at Dogs 24-7. You get it all for just one dollar and uh and we would love to have you over there from now until the reg- end of the regular season uh just an unbeatable deal and and you only have you have less than 24 hours actually to take advantage offer ends at 11 59 p.m at midnight on month uh, or right before midnight on monday and uh until then this has been the junkyard dog cast you guys take care